Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. The title of this series is Chasing Carrots, the Continual Pursuit of More. And I would imagine that many of you battle with believing the lie that if I can just get this, if I can just get more of this or more of that or more of this, I'll be happy. I'll finally be, if I can just do that, if I can just grab that, I'll finally be happy. I'll be fulfilled. I'll be satisfied. That's what's missing. You guys know what I'm talking about this morning? We're talking about the continual pursuit for more. Our series verse is Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. It says this, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing the wind. What that's saying is it's better, it's better to not have our hands full and have peace. It's better to not be in everything, to be chasing after everything and trying to get everything that we can get and have some peace than it is to have two handfuls that's followed with toil and chasing after the wind. You got, you got everything that you, want, you think you want in life, but you have toil and you're just chasing after the wind, this continual pursuit of more. This idea of chasing carrots, um, I don't know if you've ever seen it in like the cartoons or the movies. It's that little stick and it's, got the, it's like the fishing pole with the line. It's got the carrot on the end of it and like the horse or whatever is just constantly walking trying to get it. Like for me, it works better if it's a donut or a Snickers bar. Um, for them, I don't know why they chose carrots. I guess they like that kind of thing. I'll pray for them. Um, but the problem is that the carrot is unreachable. Like, no matter how hard they walk at it, the carrot is unreachable. It, in Florida, I grew up in Florida, and, uh, and in Florida, dog racing is legal. And there's this place in uh, Daytona Beach that you can go and watch these dogs, you know, run around a track. You can bet on them. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you've ever watched them, but these dogs are, like, fast. They're, like, real fast. They're, they're, they're just bust out of that gate, and they zoom around the track. But what you may not know, if you've never watched it before, is that dog racing, um, there's this little white rabbit. It's not a real one. They don't, like, use a real rabbit. But there's this little white motorized, like, weird robot rabbit that is hooked up, and it zooms around the track. They have it on this, um, this little system that it, it zooms around this track and no matter how fast those dogs run this rabbit is going to run just a little bit faster and it causes these dogs to chase after it and, and it, they chase and they run as hard as they can because they're hoping that they're going to be able to keep up with this rabbit to track it down but they don't know that it's a trick that there's no way that they're ever going to be able to catch that rabbit there's no way that they're ever going to be able to reach that thing that they're chasing. Essentially, these dogs are chasing the carrot. They're chasing that thing more that they're never going to be able to reach. And I believe that more than ever in culture in this world that we have a tendency to be like those dogs. That we have a tendency to chase the rabbit, to chase the carrot that we're never going to catch. We have a tendency to chase things that we're never going to be able to, t to attain and be satisfied with. Today, as we introduce this message series, I want to talk about a theme that I think is more relevant in this moment in history than it's ever been before in the history of the world. We're going to talk this morning about chasing fame. Chasing fame. And I want, 
Like when we talk about chasing fame, like I want to be known, I want to be admired, I want to be liked, I want to be followed, on, I want to be accepted, respected, I want to be famous. Many of you are going to say, well, that's easy for me, like I'm obviously not pursuing fame because I'm not famous, but you might actually be surprised at how many of us are. In fact, what I like to call it is that people chase little, they have little micro-cravings for fame, micro-cravings for fame. We want to be known. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. And you might just find this showing up in your lives in very small, different ways than you expected. For instance, when you overcommit to something because you have this deep need to be liked to everybody, so you sign up for things that really don't belong on your calendar, micro-craving for fame, for um, just, or perhaps it's whenever you do something and you just want credit for it. Like, I did the work. I want everybody to know that I did the work. I, I gave. I, I put, I, I gave to that. I served there. I want people to know that I served. I want people to know that I gave. I want credit for what I did. Micro cravings for fame. And social media is perhaps the largest breeding ground for the hunger for fame. Some people today will delete a photo. I don't know if you guys know. Some people today will take a photo, they'll post it, and they'll delete it within five minutes if it doesn't get enough attention. If, you don't get a, if they don't get enough likes, they're, they're wiping it. Micro cravings for fame. So some of you guys, you're like, well, I'm above that. I don't even, I don't even get on social media. But well, you probably have a family in your life. You probably have a, a child. You'd be surprised the amount of children, the amount of kids, the amount of students that have to deal with this on a daily basis. They might struggle with this. In fact, did some research on this subject, and here's what I found about 10 to 12-year-olds. 10 to 12-year-olds, their number one goal, their top desire in life is not for financial security, obviously. Their number one goal is not to be rich. It's not for success or achievement. Their number one goal for 10 to 12-year-olds is to be famous, to be famous, And what's fascinating to me as I think back about this subject is how things have changed throughout the years. Like, if you look back through the decades or the centuries, like, the the nature and the accessibility of fame is far different today than it's ever been in the world. If you go back just a few decades, all the way for centuries and centuries, to to be famous before... You had to do something that was significant. You had to be the best in your field. You had to do something that was memorable. And today, you can be famous because of the rise of social media, the rise of YouTube. You can be famous just by creating interesting content. You can be famous for creating silly content. Um, You can be famous for playing your guitar on your sofa. Maybe it's because you're really good, or maybe it's because you're really, really bad. You can be famous for those things. You can be a cute kid. You guys know there's a kid that makes like probably 20 times more money than me, probably more than that. All he does is open toys. He sits there on video and he opens toys. He's got his own toy line now. It's crazy. He's famous because of YouTube. (laughs) There's this one lady that's famous on YouTube for smashing bread with her face. I'm serious. Look it up. It's the grossest, weirdest thing that I've ever seen. I've seen some doozies, but this takes the, it takes the cake. But the, you, can be, you can be famous for smashing bread. You can be a famous bread, face-smashing bread lady. Years ago, you had to do something significant 
Now you can smash your face in some bread. You can open some toys. And that's the very reason why so many people have hopes. They have dreams. They have perhaps this post is going to get hot. Perhaps it's going to go viral. They'll, people will see it. Everybody's going to know. I'll get that blue check mark. That means I'm verified. I got a following. I can post all this stuff and get paid. Somebody need to get paid. I've got all these people that like me because I'm, I'm going to be known. I'm going to be famous. Now, for you, it may not be big and broad like that. Maybe the micro-cravings of fame. If I just had a little more popularity in my class, if they know me for my sport, if they know me for my craft, I want to be the best painter around, or, or if they know me for what I do, if they know me for being funny, whatever it is, that's what's missing in life. And that's what I need to be happy. Now, let me just make it really clear. It's not sinful. It's not bad to be famous. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being famous at all. In fact, if you excel in whatever you do, if you're one of the best of the best, if you're the brightest, if you're the incredibly talented, fame is almost inevitable. You can't fight it. In fact, you can make an argument that there are times when God actually made people famous. Genesis chapter 12, verse, starting in verse 1, says, The Lord had said to, Abraham, or to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. See, fame's not bad. God made this man Abram famous. He, then he changed his name to Abraham. And, and we all know most anybody in this room today knows at least the story of Father Abraham. They've heard about him in one way or another. God made Abraham famous. But there's nothing wrong about being famous. With fame, you can actually leverage that attention. You can build a credible and legitimate following. You can make a real difference. But what becomes dangerous and what becomes damaging is when you pursue fame. When you, being famous is not bad, but the pursuit of fame, and it boils down to motive. When you pursue fame, you have a tendency see, to throw away your values, to say goodbye to your convictions, to let your heart be drawn away from God because you'll do whatever it takes to get where you're going You'll do whatever it takes to achieve the unachievable dream. And when fame becomes the goal, people become the stepping stones. When I pursue fame, I have a tendency to hurt people. Counselors will tell you actually that fame is traumatic. And that young people, it can be incredibly hard for them to deal with it, even small doses of fame. There's this guy a few years ago named um, Alex, and he was this cashier at Target that um, he had 300 followers on Twitter one day. And this girl came through, and he was scanning groceries. She thought he was cute. So she put up a video of him scanning some groceries. And the next morning, he woke up. He had like 300,000 followers on Twitter. And he became, the next day after that, he was on CNN. He's not on social media anymore, though, because he couldn't handle it. Because it was incredibly hard to deal with. If you don't, um, if you don't believe me, if you don't believe the Bible, um, maybe you should believe Jim Carrey. Okay, Jim Carrey said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. Fame is not the answer. So what is the answer? 
I think in all of Scripture, the person to me that had the opportunity for all of the fame in the world, but he got it right, was a guy that we can call JTB, John the Baptist. JTB, John the Baptist, he's a cousin of Jesus. What what do John the Baptist and Winnie the Pooh have in common? Their middle name. (laughs) Oh, man. I can't help it. I can't. It's a gift, really. Um, John, John the Baptist was kind of a crazy prophet. He dressed in animal skins. He ate wild locusts and honey. He probably, he probably smashed his face in some bread. Um, he created a following in a crowd. And he said, hey, I'm here to prepare the way. You've got to repent of your sins, and there's, but there's one coming after me. See, evidently, John was so charismatic, he was so interesting that crowds started following him. He started growing popularity, and he started having micro doses of fame. But John handled it all well. He handled it so well. And I believe that through his life, through his experience, there are some things that we can learn from him. He can teach us to make some choices that we can use and fight the urge to chase fame, fight the urge to pursue fame. There's three choices that I believe we can make to fight that urge. Number one, we have to choose service over success. We choose service over success. Many of us need to redefine our definition of success. There's this thing that's called the American dream, and we're probably going to talk about it like more next week, but this American dream says you're not successful until you have something to show for it. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom that, that we belong to as Christians, that we've given our lives to, is completely opposite of that. In fact, many times you won't ever even see your success until you pass away from this earth. That can make it hard sometimes because, like, I need, to, I need to feel good about it. I need to feel like I've done something and I need to see my success. But sometimes with faith, you don't get to see it. We have to live our lives by faith. Faith that when we do things on behalf of Jesus, that we're making an impact on the world around us, even if we see it or not. We have to redefine success. And Jesus redefined it for his followers in a really funny story. If you read the Bible close enough, you'll find some real doozies in here, some really funny stories. You can find this one in Matthew chapter 20. So Jesus is foretelling his death again because he has to keep telling them over and over because they're not getting it. And immediately after Jesus is done telling about, hey, I'm about to go to a cross and I'm about to be killed, but I'm about to, I'm going to rise again on the third day and I'm going to sit in the throne and I'm king, you know, and immediately after he got done talking with this, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to die. James and John, not John the Baptist, not JTB, not my dog, the, uh, another John, James and John, their brothers, they had their mama come up to Jesus. You know when you really want to get something done, you're going to have mama go do it. You know what I mean? Go, ha- go have mama take care of it. So mama came up to Jesus, and she, she whispered in his ear, she asked him for a favor. He said, what can I do? She said, when you sit, when you sit in heaven can one of my boys sit on one side and the other one sit on your other side? Like after that whole story, I'm about to die. I'm about to get hung on a cross. She's like, I know you're about to die and everything, but can my boy sit next to you when you do, like when you raise up again? And 
And Jesus was like, whatever. So, and, then, and then Jesus called them together because um, James and John had obviously gotten caught up in this pursuit of success and this pursuit of fame to the point that they brought their mama into it. And now mama's got to bear their burden too. And Jesus had to tell them what greatness was like in God's kingdom. In Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 25, Jesus called them over and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentile lorded over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Four important words here. Not so with you. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to become great must become the least. See, greatness in the kingdom of God is not lording it over people and exercising my authority. It's it's serving Success is found through serving. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said this, Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And Jesus could say that with confidence about my boy JTB. Because when he was faced with this choice of success or service, this was John's response. He said, I'm just the voice calling in the wilderness I'm not the guy. I'm the one who came to prepare the way. I'm not the man. I'm just preparing the way for the man. I'm not the man. I'm just here to serve him. See, true success is not defined by what you do. True success is defined by how you live. True success is not defined by what you do. True success is defined by how you live. It's it's like this. Um, the, the America would say true success would happen uh, when you're rich. And you guys know that um, if you were to take a poll of rich people, they've done this before, the, um, and we'll probably talk about this next week too, but they, they would take polls of rich people and they say, um, what do you classify as rich? You know what the, the funny, the common denominator was? Everyone thought, just a little more than I have. <laughs> but we have to redefine success. It's not defined by what I do, by what I get. It's defined by the life that I live and the spirit that I live it in. We don't just serve people. We are servants. You, you guys see the difference? Like, I am a servant. I just, don't, I just don't come on Sundays and serve you. I do this because this is who I am. This is who I was created to be. This is who God has turned me into. I don't just serve people. I am a servant. We don't pursue success. We look for opportunities to serve. we got to choose service over success. Number two, second choice, we got to choose humility over hunger. Humility over hunger. And that one song on TikTok is stuck in my head so bad that the rock raps on. I'm not going to rap it for you, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, you're welcome. It would be terrible. I wrapped it for Cassie all day yesterday. That's all I did was walk around the house. Whatever. It was was terrible. But John chose humility over hunger. And when I talk about hunger, I'm not talking about, um, like, food. I'm talking about this drive, this tenacity, this stick-to-itiveness. In today's culture, we value that. We almost idolize it. And people are celebrated because of their drive to work tirelessly. In order to accomplish the goal of being known, we, th- we say, man, 
he or she, because we don't want to discriminate, they are hungry. They work 90 hours a week. They are hungry. They never have time with their family. But man, they are hungry. They are pursuing the dream. Hunger can be a good thing because it's this tenacity to hang on to the dreams in your heart. But hunger without being tempted by humility turns a very ugly shade. When I say humility, I'm not talking about like needing to devalue ourselves in our eyes and other people's eyes in order to attain humility. That's not what I'm talking about. The definition of humility that we're going to work with is this. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. In John chapter 1, John was there with two of his disciples. He was there with two of his, his followers, people that were, that were with him. And Jesus passed by. And instead of John trying to make sure that he kept his disciples' attention, hey, eyes on me, I'm here with you, like focus. Instead of being hungry and trying to keep what he got to keep his disciples' attention, instead of trying to hang on to his followers, John pointed people to Jesus. He said, there goes the Lamb of God. And guess what happened? John's followers left him and started pursuing Jesus instead. That takes humility. That takes a lot of humility. That, has to, that takes the ego being put aside. But John knew that his worth wasn't in what he did. John knew that his worth was in who he pointed people to. He knew his, his goal. He had his focus. Instead of hungering after fame, John redirected his followers to Jesus. Because in humility, success is not defined as the one who has the biggest following. The most followers on TikTok, the most reactions on Facebook, the most views on your Instagram story. No, in humility, success is defined by values. It's defined by purpose. It's defined by impact. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives, talking about God, but God gives us more grace. This is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Guys, your, your hunger can take you so far in this world, but it stops where it matters. Hunger can get you into the room, but humility will get you a seat at the table. Hunger gets you there, into the room. You get to be around the right people, but it's humility that's going to cause you to really rise above the rest. I truly believe that God is looking today to raise up leaders, to raise up people in these days that just aren't hungry. He's looking to raise up people that live to value others above themselves. Because God opposes the proud, but He gives favor to the humble. He gives favor to those who value others' lives above their own. That is the true mark of a leader. So how do we resist the urge to chase fame? Number two, we choose humility over hunger. And then number three, we choose His name over my fame. Choose His name over my fame. See, John was faced with this opportunity. He was, he was this, this opportunity to be recognized or to make others recognize Jesus. 
John had the option to draw the attention to himself or divert the attention to something greater. And if John the Baptist had been raised in our culture, he'd probably tell himself, well, I'm going to, I've got more, if I get more followers, I have more influence and I can do something so much greater. I can like, I can build upon that. I can get a stream of income and I can really start supporting the church and I can, my attention, the, the, the craving of fame, I can use it. And I can still point people to Jesus and let them come. But instead, these people came up to John and they said, Are you the one, are you the one that, the, that Scripture talks about for hundreds of years? He said, No, 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 no. Don't ever confuse what I'm here to do. He said, I'm pointing you to Him, to Jesus. And I'm unworthy to even tie His sandals. See, John had every opportunity to claim fame for himself. But instead, he decided to use his fame for a purpose. And after Jesus had made his appearance on the scene, this was John's response. In chapter 3, verse 30 of John, he says, John the Baptist says, He must become greater and I must become less. We can chase fame for ourselves or we can commit our lives to live for something greater than ourselves. Fame is a passing thing. Eventually the buzz, the hype, the viral um, moment, it's going to pass away. But when you commit your life to something eternal, to something powerful, to something that doesn't pass away, it makes a difference. As a Christian, the things that you do today could have a ripple effect on things that happen 200 years from now and you'll never see it. The things that, the actions, the, the choices that you make today have the potential to affect someone's destiny 200 years down the line. That's the amazing thing about this eternal kingdom of God that we follow. This eternal Jesus that we choose to serve. There's no limit to, to, to the potential of impact that you can make on the world because it doesn't stop with you. Guys, we're not called to be known. We're called to make Jesus known. And when we know that, we're going to stop pursuing fame. And we're going to start pursuing Him. And let Him do whatever, we, whatever He wants with each one of us. So in order to fight this urge to chase fame, we've got to choose service over success. We've got to choose humility over hunger. And we've got to choose His name over our fame. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.